Hi, everybody. I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. I have been doing this series of webinars nigh on almost two years. I think it's in March we've been doing this two years, which is incredible. Um, we've had, we have a lot of fun, and we have more guests lining up for uh, January and February. And just always remember, you can find all of them on the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel. And today, my guests are Sherry Goodwin and Laura Plunkett, two of my favorite people. And they're here to talk about how to help you make your horse dreams come true. Um, I just want to say the reason I put that picture, and I know that caused a lot, so, so, some people some, some consternation. But when I was flying over, where was I going? To Safari. Um, you watch a lot of movies. And one of the movies was this one called Dream Horse. And I'm like, all right, I'll bite. Because um, sometimes horse named movies aren't what you think they are. Um, and this actually turns out to be a true story. There is a documentary about a woman, I think it's in Ireland or England, and she decides she wants to get a horse and she does, she makes her dream come true. And this horse is a fabulous horse and a super successful horse. And they create a syndicate and this whole town benefits wow. from it. And it's fantastic. And it was about taking a sad little town and making it a fabulous little town because she had a dream and she made it come true. So that's why I thought that was so appropriate when you guys, and I saw that as like dream, dream horse, ah, that fits. <laughs> Um, so if you haven't watched that movie, it's a homework assignment on a really cold, chilly weekend because it's a fabulous movie and I'm going to watch the documentary. Um, and so now I'm going to turn it over to Sherry and Laura and you guys can take it away so everybody can have their horse dreams come true. Ooh, welcome. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Wendy and Laura. It's so great to be here. What an honor, really. Uh, two of my favorite people for sure. And talk about making dreams come true. I mean, Wendy, wow. <laughs> <laughs> just a, a living example, one thing after another. I just keep watching you manifest, make things happen. So I'm um, really excited about this topic and sharing with Laura as well, because she has some really cool stuff ha happening. So we're going to try to make this as interactive as possible. So Wendy, I don't know who's monitoring chat, but as we ask these great things, as we ask questions, if you guys want to pop in the chat, because what we really want to do is help people advance their own goals, right? So uh, I'm gonna share a process. I'm gonna talk about a little bit of my background with some of the goals that I've achieved. And then of course the limiting beliefs and all those things that uh, start to hold us back. Um, and the reason why uh, this topic, Laura and I have been talking a lot about this and, and um, you know, we go through life and sometimes we have this like dream interrupted. You know, you're a little kid, you have this dream and then you get busy with life and school and work and family and all kinds of stuff. And, and um, horses, that can happen with horses. You know, folks have horse dreams and then they, they just don't make them come true because other stuff starts to get in the way. You feel like you're too old or you're too whatever, you know, fill in the blank. You don't have money, it, it could be anything. So what we wanna do today is, is try to maybe chip away at some of those myths and overcome some of those blockers so we can free ourselves up to really get after our, our dreams, empower ourselves to be able to, to live our best lives with our horses, with one horse, bunch of horses, whatever it might look like for you. And it doesn't have to be uh, riding. It can be riding and competing. It can look like anything, right? You design it. You live by your own design with your own relationship with your horse. So 
Um, for those of you, I guess I should just back up real quick. For those of you who don't know me, I'm uh, Sherry Goodwin and I'm a business strategist and a leadership coach. Uh, I help uh, business professionals, business leaders achieve their big goals. And part of my practice is equine assisted leadership coaching. So I've figured out a way to integrate all my ponies, all my horses into my work so that they can share their wisdom with folks and written a couple books on this and just really, really fun. Keep reinventing. Reinvention is like my, um, my main focus really. So um, I think this is a really timely uh, January date here so we can kick things off. So um, before we jump in more, Laura, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and share a little bit about um, your thoughts on this topic and then we can go ahead and move forward. Okay, great. And I will say it's just so fun to be with both of you. Um, and, and a lot of that is because you're two people who keep reinventing and keep coming up with new goals and, and enthusiasm for life and love of life. And, and uh, I, so I'm Laura Plunkett. I am an animal communicator by trade and a horse lover forever. And I have been on a bunch of these webinars about animal communication, but today I'm here because I am 57 and I have made my horse dream of owning a horse come true this year and have overcome a whole bunch of obstacles. And so when Shari and I were talking about this as a topic, I said, oh, oh, I, I wanna get in on that and talk about some of the beliefs, limiting beliefs that I had to overcome um, and watch sort of fall like dominoes. <laughs> they seem so big and so scary and they just drop and you think, why was I ever so scared about that? Why that, why that? And so I'm really excited to join everybody today and to talk a little more about that process of trusting your instincts, trusting your inner voice and um, letting that direct things rather than that crazy, scary, scared mind that can get in the way. So I'm really looking forward to this hour together. So you guys have, have uh, touched upon the fact that this is interactive and let's kind of uh, explain how people can interact so that we make sure that they do. <laughs> yeah. Great, Wendy. So, um, you know, when facilitators ask questions, a lot of us are shy in the background. I've been on so many webinars where I'm like, oh, I'd love to ask something, but I don't want everybody to see my chat or whatever it might be. Um, if, if I think you can even do it privately, so you can you send can. a chat. That's to, okay, yes. perfect. So for anybody who's a little shy, don't be shy. This is your time to step out of your comfort zone and just, if you just want to send it to Wendy and it'll say there's in the chat, there's a little note there where you can send just to one person um, and ask your question. All right, we won't uh, raise your name. You can be incognito. We have a bunch of people on, so you can just not worry. <laughs> I love it, yeah, right? So just, you can be anonymous because I assure you, your question is a question that someone else has. And if it's not someone in this group, it's someone who's gonna be listening to the recording. And right. if you're not brave enough to ask your question, then that person who is on the outside, who's super shy and, and they'll never get to hear the, the insight. So go ahead, all right, be brave. This is, this is the first assignment, let's get after it. So like, maybe the first question is, you know, what is your horse dream for 2022? Or maybe just for, for whatever, whenever. You know, who and I'm gonna just team? tell everybody, I will not mention any names when the questions come in, just in case they don't want me to mention their name. So just so you know, yeah. if you're wondering why I didn't say who it's from, it's because I'm in this webinar, I'm not gonna say who it's from. <laughs> okay. And I'd like to add that one part of our webinar, we're gonna move through a couple different stages, but one is I'm gonna lead you in the opportunity to go back and really look at what your horse dreams were and what they are now. So 
we're, that's another way we're going to be interactive is because one of the problems is sometimes you're not in touch with your dreams anymore. They've, you know, they've been covered over by other busyness as Shari talked about. And so we're going to get a chance to unearth them. Yeah. Okay. So we want people to type in the chat what one of their horse dreams is, right? Okay, great. And nobody's typing, so somebody needs to type. <laughs> <laughs> and we won't sit here in awkward silence waiting. Traveling US on horse. Oh, wow. Wow. To move forward freely and balance in myself, of course. Awesome. Yeah, these are good. Yep. Um, develop a good partnership with my horse. Uh, awesome. Anybody else? Me, it's riding. If I can just ride my horse. <laughs> yeah, right. I have two pasture ornaments right now. Uh, more connection. First yeah. one at sixty. Oh, you have your wow. own horse for the first time at sixty-seven, riding your own without a coach. Uh, get past the snaffle bit. I think oh, that's yeah. One. Professional horsewoman. I do some lessons already, and would love to improve. Oh, I, I actually. I can answer that one soon. Get better understanding of who my horse really is without what I want him to be. Oh, these, this is so fun. Thank you, everybody. So good. You guys, this is yep. awesome. Move into the FBI. Oh, wow. Yeah. This is cool. Great. So everybody's uh, seeing these, right? Oh, wait, we missed one here. Continuing our journey with taking Masterson, Surefoot, introducing them to my lesson horse, learning hoof care. Okay, awesome. Uh, finally make time to spend with my horse instead of always being too busy, distracted and putting it off. He's now 21. I, I, this is what I relate to. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, find a sound, healthy horse for my own to do cross country. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and do you see how different they all are? That's what I love. We each have our unique dream. It isn't like you can turn around and go, Wendy, what's your dream? I'll take it. It, it, it comes from a, an intrinsic, unique place inside ourselves. So you got to listen to it. Such beautiful stuff here, you guys. Thank you so much for sharing. Having both of us healthy enough, we can ride again, getting very, yeah. getting out calmly on trails. Oh, great stuff. Yep. Yeah. Any more? Sorry, do you want to yeah. okay. run through your... Yeah, let me go ahead and jump in there. Um, can I screen share? Let's see if I yeah, can. So anybody who's just tuning in, put in the chat what your horse dream is. We won't say who it is. We'll just yeah. let you guys put that in the chat. In the right place. Hold on. A unique tribe who wants to follow a different horsemanship path. Uh, oh, I think you've already found the tribe. It's this. You're <laughs> <laughs> okay, a crazy tribe. I don't want to get on there. I'm in the wrong thing here. <laughs> Hang on one sec. Sorry, guys. So, uh, slideshow from beginning. Okay. Okay. You know, and that's one of the things of, about horses is that you can follow a lot of different paths and all still be on the same one. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. Can you guys see this? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> So this okay, is this is a long of, time ago, <laughs> right? So, so what we wanted to do when Laura, when I were talking about this, we were thinking about at any age, right? So there's there's really at any age you can make your horse dreams come true, and and I know this personally. This is a journey I went on with my ex race horse, my very first ex race horse, Dixie, um, who I met in 1989, 1990, I suppose. Here in the, the left, that was our our first shot. I had no money. I didn't know what I was doing. 
I couldn't afford a trainer. I mean, but I already can, can you just start the slideshow so it's bigger so we can really appreciate your pictures? Oh yeah, I've got it. Let's see. Does it how do we do that? Because I think where it, it says play from the beginning, hit that. Yeah, that's what I thought I did. Because mine has it big. Oh no, we did we still have your um slides on the side. We still have your your editing level. Okay. So, so yeah, you could you could X out the slides on the side. Yeah, oh, but we so shouldn't even have the menu bar. There you go. Oh, that's better. It, it's still because for me it shows as a, a slide share. I don't even see any of the other stuff. That's weird. That's weird. So what other thing can I press here? This is a technical um, situation. Down from beginning. Try from current slide. Okay. Yeah. Let me try that one from current slide. Did that make it any better? No. All right. <laughs> um, down on your bottom, on your bottom menu. Oh, yeah. hit full. Somebody said hit full screen. That's actually not a bad. I have. That's what I've got. I bounce full screen. Okay. So down at the bottom, you know, where you can make it bigger and smaller, see the little icons to the left of the 69%. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Let me just try. Do that. Oh, wait. Okay. I was going to. Hi. Oh, this thanks. Does that work? Uh, it cut, cut some off. So, so go to the right okay. so that it's the one just before the hundred percent. Click on that. Nope. The little icon to the left of 90 now to the left of that. Uh, yep. That one. Try that one. <laughs> All right. How does that look for you guys? That is um, weird. I've not had any trouble with this before. I think it's good enough. Is okay. it good enough? It's cut okay. off some things, but okay. Okay. So you guys can get the idea. So this is, we're not going to go into a big story here, but the point here is that uh, it was overcoming these limiting beliefs around money, around expertise, around all these other things. And she was kind of a hot spooky horse. We had to figure things out um, and we ended up doing pretty well. But this is, this is a, a passion project, right? This was a relationship. It was all about the relationship and making this dream come true. And she came, she, we competed up till, I guess she was about, <clears throat> excuse me, about 15 or so. And then um, she was rehomed for retirement. And then she came back to me at 25 and she lived with me until she was 31. So, you know, this is, this is the first horse that kind of set the stage for everything. So let me see if I can get to the next one. Can you see guys see this slide? Not yet. Oh, really? You know what, why don't you stop and restart your slideshow and just see if that ah, works. That's oh, bizarre. Let's just uh -oh. try that again. Okay. And it's okay if it, I mean, it's not critical that. Oh, no, but it's, you have nice pictures and we want to see them. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let me see if I can get it. You guys go ahead and do some kind of riff in the background here Lala. while I grab this. <laughs> it's okay. All right. Oh, I see. You have it on the web. Do you have it on the web? Uh, no. Oh, okay. That's okay. Go to the second slide and we can see it. Okay. Yeah. And then hit, okay. hit start. And then get rid of this guy. Okay. Thanks. So, um, then here's another one of the, the big dreams. So thinking about horse dreams, one of my dreams was to build an equestrian estate. And so we had in 1998, we had this little barn and then um, we started building this out. And again, you know, all kinds of limiting beliefs around this, like, oh, I don't have enough money. How am I gonna do this? Gotta get a bank loan, have to do this, have to do that. And um, somehow managed to, to make this work. 
we'll talk about how later a little bit. Um, and then I added my to my herd, I have uh, Callie and Noble and Lila and Fresco, who here I'm working, getting to work with Wendy Murdoch, who was one of my, was one of my goals <laughs> back in 2008 with a horse that I raised from a baby. So, and I still have him. He's part of my, all these guys actually are part of my equine assisted learning program, which is pretty fun. So they've been my riding partners, my competition partners. And also I've been able to work with Wendy. Um, pretty much all of these guys, I think I've had at least one lesson on all of them. Um, and now the next guy is, um, is Lemon Squeezy. So let's see if we can get to, to that. So it happened really after all of these goals, I'm just giving you guys a little flavor of what's possible is I just had this explosion of, of kind of awesomeness happening and the, it turned, the goals all became different. I thought I had riding goals of riding, being an upper level rider. And what ended up happening was my horses had some injuries and some different kinds of, of challenges. And so I kind of switched gears and I ended up creating this whole program and our relationship even deepened even more and um, ended up writing some books. And now I've got this little X racehorse here on the, on the uh, left side here, Lemon Squeezy, which we'll hear more about. Um, but this is all about being open to honoring your passion, honoring your dreams and just going with it. And sometimes, sometimes it shifts and morphs and, and doesn't look like um, maybe what you even first expected, but it can be even better than you ever expected. So just being kind of open to that is really, really important. So I'm gonna go ahead and pause that there. And um, Laura, let's, I'm gonna stop the share. And Laura, we can go ahead and have you um, share a little bit about spirit and then maybe we can go into our, um, the next exercise. Okay, great. So for me, you know, my first horse love was I get three. I started saving my pennies. My parents said if I saved enough money by 13, then I could have a horse, which um, I had quite a bit of money from babysitting and everything. And the neighbors said no. So that was my first feeling of this isn't going to work. And then um, I had injuries and other things. And so for me, reinventing my love of horses was always, you know, doing enough chores that someone would let me ride their horse or leasing a horse that no one wanted to ride or, you know, things like that. I pieced things together. And um, and one of the things that I would say is that the reason I'm an animal communicator is that at one point in my saga of, I'm, I'm finally, you know, there, there are thresholds you meet like, okay, now here I am in my life, I'm at a certain financial ability, maybe I can get a horse. And right about that time, I had a serious back injury. And as I look back, sort of, I'm not sure if I'm saying things exactly. Each setback in a way, when I look back, was another opportunity to jump into horses in a new way. So when I wasn't able to get the horse at 13, I had to sort of scramble with becoming a barn rat, which taught me so much about horses and, and, and continued to give me a passion for them. Now I'm talking about a later age with my back injury I was still, you know, that feeling like if I don't have a horse in my week, I, I just can't breathe. It's like their oxygen. And um, that was when I decided to learn my animal communication because it was another way to be with horses. So I feel like horses all the way through my life have been sort of a guiding factor for a lot of the um, development that I've, that I've been through. And then all the way through, Shari, I have to highlight you, I... Every, at every turn, when I had little kids, when I started my career, when money was tight, 
I would just, and where I lived in a suburb and it was 45 minutes to the nearest barn, I had so many reasons that I never shared with anybody that would question them. So my head was just, nope, you can't have a horse for this reason. Nope, you can't have it for that. No, because you've hurt your back. And then one day, and I don't know how long ago, maybe a year ago, Shari, I had met you through Wendy and you sat me down and you said, I said to you, you know, I have an unsolvable problem. I want a horse so badly, but I know that by the end of this hour, I just don't think we can get anywhere because I've thought it all through and it's not going to work. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah. I really went into that hour with no hope. And Shari, you listened to me. And I mean, I'll just give one example of, okay, my back now, you know, I, I've broken my sacrum. I have some slip disc. I have stuff. And I remember saying to you, what happens if I have a horse and I can't take ride it or I can only take it for walks? And I remember you saying to me, First of all, you can communicate and learn all that you want about that. But also there are so many people out there that own a horse and have setbacks. You, you know, I think it's perfect. a really good time to read what somebody just typed in. She said that she pulled over her drive to type. What do I do when I have unbridled horse dreams? I wish for a better relationship with lesson horse to get in better shape since just retired and had injury, maybe finding a healthy, friendly, big horse to own myself dreams all scattered. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so that's such a beautiful, just, just think about what's in that text, right? What's in that chat is just, again, that dream. And it kept, it brought me to this time at 57, where I said to Shari, I still, right, I have this burning desire, these dreams. And so I'm gonna pay you to listen to me, to see if there's any way you can poke a hole in this. And by the end, I had no reservations. It was the most amazing thing. And that's why Shari and I really wanna do this. But to follow it through, I then started looking for a horse. And I looked for six months, um, never questioned it after that because I could just feel that the rightness of the moment couldn't find a horse. I had wanted a, a buckskin Mustang my whole life. You know, we're going to, in a moment, we're going to do dreams and really starting to think about, about where they started and, and, and what your deepest desires are. Mine, for whatever reason, was all about Mustangs as a kid, all about buck, buckskin look. And when I went to go look for a horse, I listened to other people who said, you're 57, you have injuries. Um, you need a middle-aged, very sort of a school horse, very quiet, don't, you can't go by color. And so for about six months, I looked and everything was falling to the wayside and I was sort of failing in my quest. And then I finally, in my own way, turned it over and I said internally to spirit, to my guides that I that helped me with the animal communication, I just said, you're gonna have to hit me over the head with this. You're gonna have to name a horse spirit. And I'm just going to keep looking and I just pray you'll lead me in the right direction. And that's when my next adventure was to go look at a middle-aged bay gelding in Pennsylvania. I went and looked for a lot of reasons. I kept thinking I could learn to love this horse. I could learn to love this horse. I'm trying to talk myself into it because he was quiet. He was good. And then right at the end, when he was in Liberty in the round pen, he turned around and he kicked his owner. So I'm in the middle of central Pennsylvania thinking, well, I, I'm crazy. I, I just, 
the fears start to crowd in, you know how that can get. And um, the woman we were staying with, I went with a friend down there and the woman I was staying with said, you need to go to this rescue. So we go to this rescue, equine rescue, and we look around and the woman shows us all the available horses. None of them were even really adoptable in, my, in, in, in what I was looking for. And um, then she says, oh, and those are my three that aren't for sale. They're, they're my private and they're Mustangs. And I look over and there's a buckskin Mustang out in the field. And I look at her and I say, what's the one's name? And she says, Spirit. And I say, she's beautiful. And she said, yeah, she's, she's absolutely wonderful. And I walk back to my car literally and I, open the door thinking, be good. She said, they're not available. I'm not a rule breaker. I don't want to impose myself. And I made myself close that door. I turn around. I said, can I just tell you my story? And I told her about having always wanted one and that I had asked for help um, and, and asked for her same spirit. And she said, I'll sell her to you. So I have um, now, she just arrived two days ago here. So that was in August. And a lot had to take a lot of steps. She had to go to a trainer because she's completely pretty much feral, untrained, untrained. And so I have had to overcome, well, what do you do once you fall in love with a horse that you can't even, you know, approach basically. Um, but it has been a dream come true every step of the way. I would not do anything differently. She is here on Martha's Vineyard. I have pictures that I can show, um, you know, just quickly screen share. Let me see right here. So here, can you guys see this? Yep. So here she is. This is in Pennsylvania. This was us. I had a, a animal communication with her and I said that, you know, you're gonna have to do a big trailer ride. You would need to go to a trainer. Are you up for this? She, um, the, the, they, she got on the trailer. <laughs> This is her completely um, wild and later on showing she's terrified of trailers, but she walked on the trailer and this is her um, arriving. I hope this plays well, guys. This is her arriving at the trainer. She walked off after 12 hours on the, um, on the trailer, rolled and moved in like she owned the place, um, even though she'd never been inside before anywhere, never been in a in an indoor or anything. This is us, our first touch. And when she finally would let me, she would just let me, she trusted me enough. And it's changed my life. It, it, is, the, it is full of happy moments. And this is her arriving in Martha's Vineyard. And this was two days ago of her. She met her friends. She's had her teeth done. She had lacerations all on the insides of her cheeks when the dentist um, helped her and Oh, you can't even see her, can you? Running. It's okay. Yep. And that's the last video I have. Let me try one more time. And um, her hooves needed to be done, you know, gradually over time because they were like slippers. They were really long. And um, she's happy. She's got friends. She's in a huge um, pasture environment. And um, that's my story. So I just wanted to encourage everybody to question anything that you think is making your dreams impossible um, and to let them come true because I feel so. And there she is. <laughs> that's so that's great. <laughs>
she's truly truly um one of the best things that's ever ever happened to me and i was absolutely convinced that it was stupid it was wrong it was selfish um i had no right lots of crazy stuff going on in my head about this and so i truly you know i'm glad that we're here tonight just to talk about it such a beautiful story, Laura, and the courage that you had. I mean, this is this is the thing. So, so there's so so much in your story, and and so much really between the three people. You know, Wendy, myself, Laura, and all of us. I mean, we're having this whole experience together. All of us who are here live on the on the webinar together, and then the folks who are listening to the recording. We're all kind of part of this this energy system, right? So, what happens is Laura got in alignment. You know, when we had that conversation, let me just back up for a second and, and talk about the fact that I've been Wendy's client multiple times. We've all, all three of us have been clients of each other, Yeah. right? So we're all in alignment. I mean, that's that's the power of this threesome right here, right now. We've all been clients of each other. It's this ongoing relationship because we trust each other and we respect each other. And there's probably other ones on the line too that, you know, we've done the same kind of thing. So we love that. So it's about getting in alignment getting in alignment with your soul's truth, right? Your soul's truth. And when you're in alignment with your soul's truth, you look through the world with a completely different lens. You see possibilities that you don't see when you've got societal expectations and fears and doubts blinding you. It's like the, the racehorse, my horse, Lemon Squeezy. He had to run with blinkers, with these kinds of things like this, because he had so much overstimuli from the environment, which now I have to deal with. <laughs> He's doing great, by the way. Um, but that's how they let him focus. But what happened was he was never able to actually assimilate the world and deal with his fears on his own and develop emotional resilience. And he was, was not allowed, and I don't mean this in a bad derogatory kind of way, it was just a way to focus a, an animal. And that's okay, you do what you have to do when you do it, and it's, it's fine. But for, for um, being able to be a, a whole being that is unencumbered by fear, you have to be able to feel the fear, see the fear, and have the resilience to know that you're okay and empower yourself to make your own decisions regardless of the societal input, right? So that's what you did, Laura. You were so brave to do this and you settled down so fast and you got into this position of power, this alignment with your, I call it your soul's truth. You could call it anything you want. That sounds kind of woo-woo. It's kind of not <laughs> really. There's a lot of neuroscience to say when you're in balance, that's what we're really talking about. And uh, Wendy, you know, we're always talking about surefoot and balance and all of that. That's what we're finding is that balance point. And from that balance point in sports or in business or in anything, you could do anything. Right, you love woo woo, yeah, woo woo. Um, but really, there's so much science that backs all of this stuff up. So, Laura, one of the things that um, is is really powerful from a neuroscience perspective, from a woo woo perspective, from an imagination and creativity perspective, is to do visualization. So, my friend, would you take us through this beautiful exercise that you have for us tonight? I would love to. So, um what I would like to do, I'm going to ask you in a minute to close your eyes. I'm going to lead you through some breathing just to give you a chance to get centered. And then I'm going to give you a chance to think about yourself as a much younger person and to get in touch with 
how you felt about animals and specifically horses then and what some of your dreams may have been then. And then I'm gonna let you move up to now in your life. I'm gonna ask you to, and then um, give you some time to think about what you're craving and yearning for now. I would ask you to let any naysaying thoughts in your head go and to just know that this is for fun it's for freedom and it doesn't mean that you have to open your eyes and make it happen. This is not about pressuring yourself or getting it right or having to do it. This is about just giving yourself a few minutes of freedom to dream, okay? So just what I'd ask is either sit or lay down and just let your eyes close and let your body get as comfortable as it can be. So that might mean that you move a bit and let yourself settle in. so nice when you close your eyes then you can really feel your body you might want to notice your feet your little toes your big toe your heel Notice your knees, your hips, your shoulders. Just becoming aware of the outline of your body all the way down. Notice your hands, your pinkies, your thumbs. Notice how you're holding your head. And again, just shift in any way you need to to get really comfortable so your body feels peaceful and quiet. And then bring your attention to your breathing. Let yourself take some long, slow breaths. Letting all your thoughts go. There's nothing you need to do right now. Nowhere you need to be. Just focusing on the simple act of breathing. And then just think back, let yourself get in touch with who you were when you were around nine or 10 years old. See if you can bring up a picture of yourself in your mind. And then as best you can, 
Get into that smaller body. Can you remember what those toes felt like? And those knees. And those hips. shoulders. Those hands. How you held yourself. See if you can remember what it felt like to be you then. Maybe remember what it was like to walk around. A little bit about where you lived at that time. Maybe something you love to do. And then remember how you felt about animals. Maybe you lived with some. Maybe it was with animals down the street, neighbors. When you're nine or 10, sometimes a lot can feel very possible. For a lot of us, there's time to dream, to think about what might be. See if you can remember what you were hoping for with animals. What was your dream? any distracting thoughts come up, just let them go. You can always go back to that kind of stuff later. Just stay with, stay with your dream. And if you had a couple of dreams, that's great too. Just anchor that feeling. As if you could go back to that age and say, I've got you, I heard you, I remember. I know. 
And then when you're ready, let yourself grow up <laughs> into the age you are today. And give yourself that same regard. Don't come back to the busyness of life. Come back to perhaps something you love in your life right now. Start to notice how you feel about horses, animals, and what your dreams are now, unvarnished, uncensored. really let it play out like a movie and you're in the movie and anchor that just promise yourself I will not forget this feeling I heard oh. you And just start to bring yourself back to your body and your breathing. You don't have to forget about that dream. You keep it right with you. With your eyes closed, you can just start to move around a little bit. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. That's so beautiful, Laura. Thank you so much. Welcome. So what came up for folks? They want to share in the chat? We're instilling that beautiful energy that you created. Do either of you want to say anything? Did you do the exercise while we're waiting for people to chat? How was it? Oh my gosh, I totally did. And when I when I when you took us up to where we are now, <laughs> I started giggling to myself because I started thinking, yep, still cleaning up poop. <laughs> Just more of it. <laughs> but I was like you, I was very scrappy. I had I was the dog girl back when I was eight or nine and there was a poet in our community and he wrote a poem about me and called me the dog girl because I couldn't afford a horse. So I had dogs and had a pack of dogs, neighborhood dogs. Not I had one dog of my own, but then all the neighborhood dogs would, I don't know, I just hung out with them. That's what I did. I was a weird kid. So um, I was just reminiscing about that and then bringing that forward into 55 and um, thinking, well, now I've got the dogs and, and I've got this little herd and, and I'm still cleaning up stuff and, and it's, and they make me so happy. Just that joy, that, that joyful feeling of connectedness and play. 
and watching them interact and play. I'm doing the same thing every day. I go out when I'm feeding the horses and giving them hay and just watching them. You're just watching them interact and play. And then sometimes they're interacting with me and sometimes I'm just the observer. And, and that's just so special for me. How about you, Wendy? I have a very different experience. I find this kind of thing, especially on Zoom, extremely uncomfortable um, and difficult to do. And I don't wanna go back to being nine because of my family situation back then. So I find it incredibly awkward and uncomfortable, to be honest, um, and hard to do and didn't wanna do. So, oh, you know, I mean, I think, I think that it's, uh, but I think it's important for me to share that because I'm sure that there's, I'm not the only one who had difficulty at that age. Um, I wasn't able to get around horses until I was 11. That's when I started taking lessons. So for me, it was an uncomfortable experience. But, you know, I mean, that's part of the journey is not everybody's going to have the same experience. And I think it's important that we can all be um, feel OK with that and not have to pretend or I mean, I could have easily pretended and made up something. But that, you know, as somebody says, it's not honest. And I, I just think that one of the things that's important is in alignment to getting in alignment is honesty. Um, so that's, you know, <laughs> um, but we do have some other people typing in, which is great. Um, and, and, and one so thing I want to say is that it, um, one of the reasons I pick nine or 10 is because um, for those, especially girls who haven't, for whom they aren't, and it's not neg negative to go back to that time necessarily. By the time they're 12 or 13, their dreams have died for other reasons. Oh, very I, interesting. Yeah. That that's, that nine or 10 year old is, is sometimes the last time you can ever get in touch because if it hasn't been ruined in you in the earlier years, by the time you hit puberty, it's been teased out of you, if you know what I mean. So um, it's so, but thank you. Thank you for saying what you said. And so we have some comments here. He says, I, I love helping horses who are particularly damaged or untrusting. I love being in a round pen with horses that start out fearful and unsure, but develop trust and communication throughout the session. I love developing a physical language with the horses and the discovery of the relationship for that horse. Um, someone else is saying, I remembered at nine during recess, one of my friendships was, uh, friends who was lucky enough to get to ride occasionally uh, we would pretend we were horse we were horse going through the gates and um, racing across the field uh, to an old oak tree at the end of the playground where uh, the cows were on the other side and setting jumps so they could leap over them um, somebody says i also feel a little awkward in going back to that time in my life yep um and somebody's finding it very hard to visualize. And so they had to talk themselves through it. Um, somebody else says that was awesome. Brought me back to trying a, by, bring, to bring a trail guide and always wanting my own dog and horse. I'm standing next to my paint gelding jelly bean now. And I have been Aww. training and competing with my own dogs for 30 years. I've been a dog obedience instructor for that time as well. And have my horses going on four years. I realize only... Uh, other than trail ride regularly, I, I, I've had my horse going for four years. I realize other than trail riding regularly, I live in a U-shaped house where I can see him most of the, through most of the windows. 
Um, someone else says, as a girl around eight or so, we lived in New Delhi, a city, and all I wanted was to ride and have a pony. And we did have one there for a while, still working on the partnership aspect. Um, and then someone else says, I always wanted to be a vet. My uncle used to say she was just a bit of a girl, but all the horsemen knew, oops, uh, knew her, horsemen knew her. <laughs> I had a hard time with science in high school. So I gave up on that dream. I yes. know that problem with, but you know, I, when I, I have a lot of vet friends, I have a lot of vet friends. I'm kind of glad that I did not make it into vet school. So <laughs> <laughs> um, you might find that was a blessing, not a curse. Um, at nine, I had twice monthly riding lessons at a stable of imaginary horses to ride, all of whom had names. Now I have a variety of real lesson horses to ride. Um, and so funny to realize that when I, that when, though I struggling with some things, it's a few typos in there that I'm struggling through. Um, now I did nothing, part of my old dreams already exist. Oh, okay. Guess now if I did nothing, part of my old dreams already exist. So Shari, I wonder if this might be a good time to go through some of the things that you highlighted and yeah. you, because <laughs> I loved what you wrote and I think it might, help every help us all pull it together. Yep. And thank you, Wendy, for sharing um, so honestly and everyone. And, and this is a good, it's a good thing, you know, self-awareness. That's what this is about. And understanding where your comfort zone is and where your stretch zone is and where your your discomfort, you're not comfortable. <laughs> um, this is all fine. And that's all that process of self-acceptance and for what is um, and being able to give ourselves permission to release some of the emotions from the past that might be holding us back as well. So that's what, what it's all about. And, and if you try this exercise again, you can go back to whatever time you want. The nine is the prepubescent for, for uh, girls. And so as Laura was mentioning, there's some some innocence there um, that we wanna try to tap into and, and grab. So moving forward, let's see if we can get with this uh, screen share again, maybe I'll, I'll try that. Okay. And if that doesn't work, then we have another plan. So that's fine. Um, where is the next slide? Uh, get to the next one here, hang on. Sorry guys, I'm getting there. I think. Okay, yeah, because it's not it's not in play mode for whatever reason. Um, yeah, okay, I'm just gonna stop it. So you know what, we're not gonna worry about it because it's taking up too much time. So we're just gonna go with this. So a couple of things on the, on the dreams, and this is when I'm coaching people who are uh, uh, working towards a goal and whether it's a, a, a innocence, yes, at age nine and clarity, that's right. Thank you, Jinx. Um, one of the things that we wanna do is get to the limiting beliefs and be able to call them out. So one of the questions that I've found very powerful is what are, what are you assuming about whatever the goal is? Like if you say, I can't, I can't do this or I shouldn't have a horse or I don't know that I'll ever get to FEI or whatever it might be. You wanna run through, say, what am I assuming about this? I'm assuming I don't have the skill. I'm assuming I'm whatever. So go through that, all right? What am I assuming about this? And write all of those things down, because what that's going to do is bring to light all of your limiting beliefs and keep going. What else? What else? What else? What else? Until you're empty and you're right there. And you might really feel crummy when you see that list. You're like, oh, God, it's not a fun exercise to do, but it's an awareness exercise. And then you have that and you say, how else can I think about this? 
right? How else can I think about this? And what this does is it starts to expand your brain and your brain says, well, I don't know. I don't know. You know, what, what do you mean by that? Well, how else can I think about it? I'm thinking about it like this. I'm assuming that I am uh, too old. Okay. How else can I think about it? What if I wasn't too old? What if that wasn't a limiting factor? What if that was a non-issue? What if you take that limiting belief or that limiting factor that you believe is limiting and you take it out of the equation? So how would it look if money was not a problem? How would it look if you didn't have the injury? How would you, yeah, turn them around? So this is, this is about really looking at that and exploring that because what we do is we self-sabotage to try to keep ourselves safe. All right. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but we do that because we're, we do. And you know that they, they say the fatal fetal. I've been totally I've done that so many times in my writing life. It's just crunch up like that. Right. Fatal fetal. This is the same thing that we do in our relationships with our horses and at work and starting businesses or moving forward with businesses. We go into fatal fetal and we sabotage because that's safe. So what we need to do is be able to start challenging that edge and saying, okay, what would it look like if I had all the money in the world? What would it look like if my horse was sound? What would it look like if I allow my horse to heal, say he has an injury, and I still wanna pursue my goal of being a FEI rider or a trail riding across the country, but my horse is, is checked out, he can't do it. You know, what do I do? Am I just gonna stop the dream? Yeah, sometimes we have to stop the dream. Not always though. You can pivot, right? This is where the reinvention piece comes in. This is where the creativity piece comes in. But you have to be coming at it from a fuel source of positivity, possibility, confidence, and trust. So what happens is, this is what typically happens, is we have, and you see this with the horses, we have two basic motivators, fear or love. That's love. But we talk about it. I use confidence and trust as, a, as some people can't handle the love. So I call it confidence and trust, especially the corporate guys. We'll just not use love. <laughs> totally fine. I don't really care. We know what we're talking about. So if you're motivated by fear, you're going to be seeing all of these limitations. If you flip your, your fuel source to a place of confidence and trust and love, then you start to be open to possibilities and things will start to come to you and you'll be able to see the path, just like a horse. So think about if your horse is looking at, at things from a place of fear, they go into fight, flight, freeze. And Wendy's done a million webinars on parasympathetic and sympathetic and all that stuff. And I've watched a bunch of them. You know, so, so we know what that looks like. If you come at it from a place of confidence and trust, like you're seeing with Laura in her videos with, with spirit, there's infinite possibilities. For both parties, spirits never had a human do this kind of stuff with her before. She didn't know there were such possibilities. She lived in a little cocoon and now she's expanded her whole world into this incredible space with this woman who totally loves her. I mean, talk about a worldview shift. That's awesome. And the same is happening for Laura. So what we need to do, and I'm just going to say we need to do this. If you want to get after a goal, you need to be the leader of yourself first. And you need to be, get in here and excavate the inner workings of your mind and find out what's going on in there, figure out what your own process is that works for you, and then take the baby steps and just get going. So make sure that your fuel source, you're coming from a place of confidence and trust, love-based fuel, and then you get clear on, on what you want. And you may not know entirely, but just a little piece of it is fine. It's a little piece. And then you take a tiny little baby step. 
And in some horse training and positive training, they call it an approximation, right? So this is a tiny little step, one little baby step. And you take these, you keep working that, and then you're in a new space. You take the baby step. Okay, where's my energy? What do I want to see next? You get clarity about the next picture. And then you take the next step. And you keep working this process. And eventually, you make some traction. And it starts to get easier. Things like, you know, you start untying a knot. So you have a knot that's like completely stuck right? And you start working it and it looks like it's impossible to undo. And it's really stuck in there. Um, or some leather that hasn't been worked in a while, you know, it's all stuck in there. And you just keep working at it, working at it, working at it. And little, little, little by little, you're creating these tiny little openings, tiny little openings where light can come through. Same things happen in our entire being. And we start to open new possibilities for our stuff and our horses, for ourselves and our horses. So let me stop there and see if folks have questions. If you guys want to weigh in, what are, what are, what's coming up? Well, for I, I want to give an example because this is what you said is so powerful. And, and in terms of taking that little knot out. So I spoke about how I went to you and said, I'm stuck. I, I'm not going to be able to move forward. And I came up with things that I thought were very cut and dry. There's no way around it. And I said to you, well, I want to keep my, if I get a horse, this is where I want to keep them. And what if that owner, the barn manager, you know, um, what if we end up not getting along? I don't know why, but in my head, okay, then I'm done. I've brought this horse. I've got a horse. And you said to me, okay, what if? And then I'm remembering, oh, okay, yes, I'm on an island, but I've been offered probably three or four other people have said, well, do you want to keep your horse with me? And I chose this place. I, I'm telling you that it was not in my head. Then I said to you, well, you know, I have this back injury and what happens like today, I woke up and there was a whole bunch of things that made me think this wasn't the right day to go up to the barn and, and work with her and take care of her. So I said to you, there's going to be days where I can't go. And you said to me, okay, how many of your client, like how many of your clients don't see their horse every single day? I, and I was like, oh, right, you're right. Like I could do this. I don't have to do this 24 seven every minute once it happens, right? So I'm just offering those examples as, you know, if you could find someone to poke holes in the things that are stopping you, that's a really good place to start too. Thank you, Laura. And the other thing is, is going down that train of thought of all the ifs, what if, what if, what if, what if, okay? So what if, and what if, and what if? right? Keep pulling yourself down there because what's going to happen is you're going to start figuring some things out and you're going to say, oh yeah, maybe I don't have to do that like that. Just like Laura said, even a lemon squeezy. So I'm working with my little guy now. Um, he's had some back issues. He, he came back from some training and he's, um, he was fired up and everything, but he's had some back issues. I'm like, oh geez, how frustrating. Cause you can't, you know how, how that is. So I had a saddle reflock, a saddle checked, a chiropractic, all this stuff. And then, then I was like, okay, I got, I have to be able to do more. So I've learned Masterson, which someone mentioned that in the comments. Oh my gosh, fabulous. And there's Surefoot, which is always amazing. Of course, I put them on the Surefoot pads. There's all these different modalities. I have a little massager thing. So what I did is I decided, okay, I'm going to take ownership of this instead of being a victim of this situation. Let's get smart about it and teach myself some stuff here so I can empower myself to help him. I'll tell you what's happened. He is so excited with the Masterson. And I, I mean, excited relaxed excited not excited besides like chill and the minute I put my hand on him I'm now actually I've integrated that into some of my equine assisted leadership stuff because the power of 
a pure touch in an instant, he'll go from being on guard and defensive and not wanting to be with those people who are here to you know work with him or whatever, to I just put a touch and he is like, <sighs> he melts. And it's it's an immediate difference. So everyone can see the, the effect of the energy, the intention and the connection. And you can apply that to work. You can apply it to your own self, broad application, infinite possibilities really. So I know where I want to be mindful of time, and I'm, I could talk about this stuff all night. And I know that you know some of you guys didn't commit to all night, but I know Laura and Wendy, and I could probably keep going. <laughs> so so um, I'll maybe pause here for some more questions. What's coming up for you guys? What kind of questions do you have? Well, I, I think it'd be great if somebody would put in one of their what ifs, what that you, you know, as an example. So somebody be brave. And because I was brave, right? I was honest. Somebody else has to be brave and put in a what if, what if, what stops you? What's the what if that's, because that's what what ifs are. There's something that stops us, something that we project into the future that isn't actually in the reality in the moment, most likely, right? And and Laura, I'm just going to share this with you because the, I had such an inter, uh, interesting, is going to be the way I'm going to put it, experience with you. You never told me about working with Sherry and and getting clear on your dream and, and getting a horse name or anything else. All you did was send me a video and with no explanation and I'm getting this horse. And of course, the first thing I did was flip on my professional hat and go, you know, what do you mean? You can't even pick up its feet. You got to make sure that you have a clear contract, blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, in light of this conversation, it makes me wonder if it wasn't one of your what ifs and you went through it, because I had none of the information that would let me say anything different than my professional hat, you know? And, and in light of this conversation, I'm thinking, wow, Laura, Laura didn't tell me the story of her dream. She didn't tell me the story of the name. She didn't tell me the story of the bucks in color. She just said, I got this horse. I can't pick up its feet. It's a Mustang and I, I can't even vet it. And I'm like, what do you mean you can't vet it? <laughs> Don't get a horse you can't vet. We've, I can tell you stories about that. Um, but I find it fascinating in light of this conversation, almost as if um, unconsciously, it was a what if you were trying to get through. Um, well, what happened for me is I got so excited when I found her and I was coming up from Pennsylvania and I was just sending video. I think all I did was send you a video. I didn't right, really that was it. it. So all my friends, I'm sending the video. And it did set people off, which I understand. Yeah. Because it came with nothing. And right. all of a sudden, all these people who thought I was going for a quiet, mature horse find out like, what the heck? And so I set myself up for a lot of people calling me worried or having questions. Um, but it was my exuberance. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I saw her. I fell in love with her in that instant. And I just started I'm, you know, I'm in the passenger seat on the way back and I'm just sending the video to everyone. So that's the story of that. Okay, great. Because it was like, there was zero explanation. I get this video yeah, and I'm not. instantly yeah. go, you, you better get a vet check. What do you mean you can't? I know. Put I know. <laughs> All right, we've got some, this is yeah. wonderful. Okay, Start so- Fuck at the show. Oh goodness, yeah. So let's just take one of them and just run it, run it through. So what if it, what if it bucks at the show? Is, yeah. What was the, what if it, if it bucks what at the, the show? What if the horse acts up and starts bucking at the show? Okay. Okay. So this is, yep. And what if I make a mistake and stress my horse out? Okay. So 
Oh, so what I could talk about a lot of these. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is going first. <laughs> Can't find a place to board. I mean, you got to do your due diligence, first of all. So we want to do, you know, Laura was pretty smart about thinking things through. And um, before you bought Spirit, you had thought through a lot of logistical things. You know, you had a place, you had some backup, you had some things like that. You ended up with Spirit. And, and then it was a whole new ball of wax and figure out all this other kind of stuff. But this goes down to self-trust, okay? So we wanna empower ourselves to make good decisions. And, and let's go back to the bucking, because I've, I've been in that situation, been in most of these situations many times. So, so we're bucking at a show, okay? So what if the horse bucks at a show? So what if, what then? What are your options? Well, that's exactly right. And this is where, you know, one of the things that I often tell my students is to take your adult with you. Um, Laura took us back to a nine-year-old, but a nine-year-old doesn't have the skills to be able to make good decisions about things like that. But we're not nine-year-olds anymore. We're adults. And so many of the people that are chiming in here are they have a job, they have children, they've managed people, they're, they're business owners, they're lawyers and doctors. And, and one of the things that happens is when we start to think about our horse, we go back to the emotional child, the nine-year-old, right? Or whatever age, in my opinion, it seems to be whatever age that someone was denied having the horse dream, their dream, right? And so I think with those kinds of what ifs, it's so important to take your adult with you and say, if you were talking to a child, what would you tell that child if that horse started to buck? Or what would you have done beforehand? Like, uh, what if the board is too expensive? What can you do ahead of time to prepare to go and check out where you're going to board the horse before you get it? Yep. Um, in other words, when we come at it from the adult talking to the horse crazy kid, I think we can answer a lot of these what ifs in very simple, logical terms. That's so good, Wendy. And, and the thing is about empowering ourselves. What happens when, when we're in a what if and we panic, we disempower ourselves. We feel like we have no choice. We become a victim of whatever the circumstances. So we'll go with the bucking horse because that's a violent kind of thing and it's yeah. scary. So I'll give you an example of what happened because it's happened to me. You know, you do this stuff, you work with horse, you're going to have bucking horse and shows happen. So I'm with Lila, my wonderful homebred, Hanoverian thoroughbred cross, beautiful little chestnut mare. I'm at a dressage show. Maybe some of you guys are even there. It's probably back in 2009 or so and um, she's just spectacular we're just doing training level I think it was maybe our fourth show or something and um, we get to the show and there's a bunch of people and there's all the trailers parked and the whole thing we go to the warm-up area and I'm on her and it's just a little a little bluestone ring and there was a, a, a indoor where you do the test right so you go there and there's someone um, chainsawing Chainsawing, are you kidding me? In the neighbor, the next neighbor over was chainsawing in the woods. So my horse, it was a, she's still, she's a little dramatic little girly and she, I'm on her and she leaps in the air and comes down, has a total snort fest, meltdown, spinning around. And I'm thinking, oh great, I'm gonna die before I ever even get into the ring. And they're chainsawing and you couldn't quite see them. But here's the thing, there were uh, probably four or five other people in the ring with me and their horses were kind of looking but not having a complete dramatic meltdown. So 
I chose to get off because she was bucking. She was major bucking. And I thought I better get off before it's not my choice, right? So there's a, the first thing, and I didn't do all this right, but I'm just gonna tell you my train of thought at the moment. I had presence of mind to say, I have an opportunity to get off. Am I safe here? And can I deal with these consequences? Or is it better for me to handle it on the ground? So I got off. So now I'm, I'm leading the leaping lizard, right? So she's leaping and rearing and snorting and spinning around. And I've got, it's, it's summer. I'm like a hundred degrees. I'm, I'm stuck in my little boots and I'm trying to march her around and they don't have a lunge line and because it's up at the trailer, all that stuff. So I led her around for a while. And then I was getting really mad. So I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm gonna have to go home. I mean, I can't ride her like this. How can I ride her like this? So I, le I left and I, I brought her up to the parking area and there was a big field kind of I don't know ways and I'm walking and I'm walking and she's still kind of snorting and I'm getting mad and I'm thinking I'm just gonna throw her back in the trailer this isn't even worth it what are what are my options here I can I can try to walk her out of this I can get back on is it safe enough or uh what am I going to do so I finally felt into it a little bit more she seemed to be relaxing a little bit more I knew that environment was too volatile I got on her at the trailer tossed on her and then walked around the front field. Now I had never ridden this horse in the field before. So I rode her in the field and then I felt that she was so, she just had all this energy, but she wasn't checked out. She was just like nervous and scared. And so what I thought was, all right, you know, my options are here. I can just walk around and then put her back in the trailer or maybe she's gonna be okay. I felt that I had her enough with me that I got a little closer to her. I'm in my dressage saddle. I put her in a canner, I got into two point. Here I am, this incredibly crazy person in the front field of this, nobody else was out there. I am now cantering, hand galloping around this field in two point in my dressage saddle to get this horse's mind back. And then I hear, you know, the bell and I see these people like <laughs> waving from the like, over there. <laughs> so I bring her back, I bring her back. Actually, Susan Gustafson was there, you can ask her. So I came all the way back. Was, we're totally sweating. I mean, I'm beet red, whatever. I go in there. We won the class. Oh my God. <laughs> but here's the thing. It was, it was the connection piece. All right. So if I hadn't felt connected with her, I would have taken her home, but I felt like I had enough connection there that if I could just push past fear, I had the confidence and trust, right? This is what we were talking about. She had some fear, but my confidence and trust overrode her fear. And we were able to partner together and do something fun. So there's a metaphor there for all of these kinds of things. So what if you make a mistake with your horse? You know, okay, um, you can try again, right? What if, you know, this is the thing, we're not perfect. Don't hold yourself to this, this standard of perfection. I'm going to stop again because I can go on and on. So I'm going to pause here. Well, and I want to chime in with it. And I love every word you said. And I'm also thinking that for those people, they go in, okay, and in the middle of the dressage test, their horse loses it, mm -hmm. and it's too late. I would say similarly, so if your dream is to do dressage with this horse and it bucks, it's like at least you let yourself try, right? You don't want to not do it because the horse might buck. Do it. And then you, then, you know, let's think long view. So, okay, that was a bomb. That didn't work out. Then you get home, you check the fit of the saddle. You check out why you, 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 you get some input, you ask an expert and then you go do another one. So I love also, you know, someone said, what if they, what if um, one of these was, what if the barn doesn't work out, which is what, one of my fears that I have to face. Well, okay. But what if it doesn't then you're an adult, you'll figure it out. You'll start asking around, you'll find another one. You'll, you'll um, 
do your networking. And so, you know what I'm saying? Like we need to think long view because otherwise if it's like, oh no, that one thing will happen. Yeah, but what if it happens one out of 10 times? At least you got the other ones. And that brings up a really good point. We tend to focus on the one time something's happened and not the nine times that it didn't. Okay. And the other point you guys bring up is a point that Dr. Feldenkrais used to always say in that you have to have a minimum of three choices. Yes and no is not a choice. This barn, not working at this barn, that's not a choice that you need at least three, maybe four. So that's where, you know, the adult would go in and do the research to find, all right, if my, what if is, you know, what if that barn doesn't work out, you've got, if you already have laid out your choices, then you're more prepared for when it doesn't work. Right. So that's I think, so true. yeah, go ahead, Wendy. sorry. I was just going to say okay. your point is all about empowerment. That's what it is. So when you, when you have choice, just like the horse, we want to empower our horses to have choice. Yes. They don't want to do something. Well, your choice is you can make them, make them do it. And sometimes we need to do that. I'm working on empowering choice. That's what I've been working on with lemon squeezy. Cause he was kind of made to do stuff. And now I'm like, all right, what, what would you choose to do? If he chooses not to be with me, that's his choice. And that's okay. And I can't get my ego in the way of that because then that's a limiting piece, right? So my horses have bucked at shows. Are you kidding me? I mean, I've had to, I've had to exit and just say, I'm sorry, I'm done because I had some big catastrophe in the middle of it. Um, a dressage test, even, you know, even that same test we did buck and she had brave down. And one of my collective remarks was brave, you know, which is not what you want to see in a dressage test. It was supposed to be relaxed, but, but these are the things where you, you can always get off. You can always stop. You can always go back another few steps. You can go back to the beginning and, and start to reestablish the foundation. That's, yeah, okay, oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and this is the thing. So there's the trees there too. You know, we're growing roots in different places and we wanna be able to water and, and nourish ourselves in all these different places and grow what we want, not what we don't want. So what do you want? And seed, water, nurture, get the kind of help. If you don't have the right kind of help, go on, on an investigation, get some new help. I'm even right now, I'm in a course, super fun online course with Mustang Maddie, learning all kinds of new fun things that I've never done before, trying them out, just because it's, again, a new, another aspect of the relationship. Yeah. So somebody said, what if the dream I have is in my imagination is unrealistic? You know what? It's okay to have an unrealistic dream. I have many. <laughs> but I just want to point that out. It is okay because, you know, it, it, it's, it's a dream and it may not be unrealistic in the end. It might be that it needs a little tweaking or a little something. But, you know, I, I dream big dreams all the time. And, and maybe they're not the dream I'm going to bring forward right now, but it's okay to have it. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Oh my gosh, Wendy, we're, you are the person marching around the world with foam pads. I mean, 25 <laughs> years ago, who would have thought that you would be doing that? Seriously? And, and getting a reputation, I remember having a conversation with you years ago and you're like, I don't know, you know, they're so amazing. And you had one pad and it was amazing. And I was like, yeah. And you're like, but you think people are going to want this? Are you kidding? Look what you've created. And yes, <laughs> Africa yeah. trips. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I, I think it's important not to limit what you want to dream. I think that's one of the things here is write down the dreams. It's okay. You know, yeah. they're unrealistic. I want to go to the Olympics. Okay. That's an unrealistic dream as a rider, but it's not an unrealistic dream in another capacity. 
And I think, uh, do you all remember Jane Savoy, that winning feeling? Oh, yeah, 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 of course. She yeah. was one of the first to write about dreams and making your dreams come true. And maybe it, maybe it comes true, not in the way you expect, but in the way that's still fulfilling. I have another thing, another thing, which is, so here I was, I felt like I was being brave just getting a horse. So I'm going to get a safe horse, right? I'm going to get a school horse, 12 years old. That was my plan. Life showed up differently. And now I realize what a mistake, because when I look back, I, at what I've learned in these last three months about how to be the person that a that a wild Mustang wants to be with and how to be, how to bring a horse from never being touched to now we, you know, I can do like, I mean, you know, she's at the farrier, she's at the vet, she's whole, she's in a stall. She, I lead her everywhere. I just took her all the way down a quarter mile down somewhere she's never been. And she just stood right with me. Um, I would, now I know, but I would never have known. And when I think back, that was my dream. And because I was smaller and trying to be reasonable, I might've ended up skipping all that and only having um, a safe horse that I sort of, okay, I'm gonna like go along on. I don't know if that's clear, but like, I think sometimes there's a greater force at work to help us reach our goals and our dreams. And if you could just open up to that force that takes you, um, it could be even better than you could picture. Yeah, it can be. I mean, this is the thing we're talking about relationship and connectedness. This is really what it is, right? So this is, this is for me that transcend any kind of writing, you can get it in the saddle, and you can get it out of the saddle, you can get it being in the barn, you can be it, be, get it just watching them eat grass. <laughs> Sounds ridiculous, but you can. So you want to you know, get to that place, what is the feeling that you want? And, and the feeling behind the goal, because here's the other thing. Sometimes the goals that you think you want are not really the goals that you really want. So we wanna question that and say, what's so important about this? You know, when you articulate your goal, what's so important about that? Why is that important to you? And check that, because if it's not giving you that real warm, fuzzy, awesome, tingly feeling, maybe it's not worth it. Maybe it's not what you really want. Yeah, I, th I think sometimes we hold on to things that had value at one point in our life, but things have changed and they don't hold the value that they once did, but we haven't let go of the sense of guilt, if you will, of not achieving that dream. We've got, I know we're not naming names, but, we, but um, I know the person who wrote about, who has just bought a property and becoming a trainer. Um, and I just want to shout out that uh, uh, some of the people that have been writing in have really been man manifesting lately, <laughs> like they're really going for it. So we, you know, we see you <laughs> and all these comments. Yeah. Somebody, somebody wrote in, and this was a little while back that I worry about one of the longtime boarders who is a hand treat feeder. It will not stop me, but I feed my horses treats by hand. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that, but I do find that if Brad's been doing it, I have to retrain my horses to be more gentle and they can learn to discern. I think that, you know, we, we one of the things I, I see often um, is the black and white mentality. Never do this or only do this as opposed to horses have the ability to discern different people and to make different choices if we present that. In other words, 
I use the back of my hand and they don't get the treat till they're nice to the back of my hand. Then I turn my hand over because, um, you know, if Brad just, <laughs> you know, they come at it, it's like, but it's okay. They, they have learned and they can definitely change their behavior in terms of the way they do things. So I think one of the things that's important is horses can learn to recognize different people and deal with them differently. I think they do it all the time, actually. Um, we can recognize different people and do things differently with different people. So if we have that ability, then it's just a question of showing them that there's differences, right? Yeah, and horses are so smart. I mean, I've, I've got some of my older guys. So I've had my my team now with most of them since they're babies and the oldest one is 26, I guess. And Noble's 20, I guess he's going to be 19 this year. Uh, and Noble, I was, I never treat trained anybody until I got uh, lemon squeezy because he seemed food motivated and he was kind of checked out. And then I started using some treats with Noble who, who can be one of those, um, you know, he'll mug you because he's just kind of that in your face kind of a horse anyway. So I never used treats with him. I taught him how to use proper treat receiving behavior. And I'll tell you what, he learned in like two seconds, just like what you said, Wendy. And he's so polite and he's so careful and he's so happy to take the direction. Just show him, show him what you want. Right. So you, these are the things, I mean, I think you're so right. There's so much space in, in our horse relationships to do so many different kinds of things, ride them different ways, do natural horsemanship, do classical dressage, do you know anything you want because they're, it's more about the relationship and the explanation, the clarity. And, um, and they're just happy to, most of the time, happy to do it as long as they understand. Yep. Yep. And, um, you know, and when we talk about intelligence, they're masters at reading body language and spatial relationships. Um, the, some horses are better problem solvers than others. I just keep going back to when I set up the pasture paradise in my field and how long it took them to figure out they had to walk away from the gate to get to the gate. Um, they now have figured that out and there's another path they have to go all the way around to get to the gate but they wait for me to get to the first gate that they have to come through before they go all the way around so they've trained me a bit but <laughs> um that but that whole you know when we look at partnership and interpersonal connections that's what they're doing all day long that's where i love sharon wilsey's work because it's all about that subtle spatial relationship that horses manage and use as communication um, and that's where her work is so brilliant and so great because it helps us understand. Sometimes we get very body unaware in our spatial relationships with each other. Um, and that works super helpful. Yeah, she's amazing. That go away face button, man. I'm oh, yeah. Too. <laughs> but so I have, I have one more thing just around goals um, before we start to wrap up. And, and it's, it's looking at uh, fixed goals versus process goals. So what we want to do is really think about, you know, you have these specific endpoint goals, like I want to ride third level, I want to go to that show, or I want to, you know, do make this movement or, or whatever it might be. And those are some fixed goals. And they're great. And we also want to have process goals. And this is something Mustang Maddie was talking about the other day, and I thought it was just brilliant. And it, it's really about, you know, where, what is your process here? How do you want to feel in the process? You know, what, so that you're honoring all of these kinds of things, and, and you're not um, only fixating on those one-time achievement type goals. 
And as I get older, I have much more appreciation for the process. Someone wrote in there, it's the, it's the journey, not the end. And, and yeah, absolutely. So the journey is the process. So how, who do you want to be each day when you show up for your horse? And this goes back to the fuel source. So I always check myself. I have to be very intentional about that and not come, you know, crashing through after working a lot and then running to the barn. So checking who am I right now? Okay, I'm kind of freaked out. So <laughs> I need to make some small tweaks here, or maybe some major tweaks before I show up for my horse who's right outside the door here. Um, and, and then, you know, what do I want to do? What do they want to do that day? What's their mindset that day? And really work on that connection piece first and maybe work on one little thing and then maybe the next little thing or maybe just one little thing's enough or maybe work, work on nothing. Maybe just be together that day. And that's perfectly great. So thinking about it in terms of these, these different types of goals is, is sometimes very helpful. I looked at our outline, Shari, and I have one more yeah. add which is you wrote the best thing about not letting experts um, take over for what you know. Um, and I know you just ran into that in your own, you may want to speak to it, but I think that's an important one to talk about, not giving over your power completely to someone else with your animal. Yeah, thanks, Laura. So that's the thing is, you know, our horses are our horses. And when we start abdicating our own um, authority and power, because we think someone else knows better, um, that's, that's our choice. And we can also have a, a look at that. And if we're seeing evidence that says perhaps otherwise, we can make a different decision about that. So I see a lot of people just giving their animals over to other people um, and just completely. And, and in some cases that's fine and that's what you've decided to do and it's all good and everything. And in some other cases, it, it might not be what you really want or how you really want. And that might be okay too, depending on if that's a growth edge for you, or it really might not be okay, right? Same thing for us in lessons and things. You know, you subject yourself to some expert who's giving you a lesson and are they empowering you or are they tearing you down? And so, just bringing it back to the dream, are they getting in the yeah. way of your dream or are they helping you achieve your dream? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think this is such a big, an important point. Um, it, it kind of feeds in with my take your adult with you. In other yeah. words, we get around authority figures and we abdicate our responsibility and our authority because it triggers us on an emotional level. Um, and so if anybody's ever had that kind of experience, they wind up, and I, and I have to say that in my profession, I, it infuriates me to see people prey on uh, the emotional level of people. And a lot of, a lot of students, um, where they've been, when they get around their horse, they're an emotional younger person, sometimes a child, because that's that dream that they're trying to fulfill so desperately as an adult, but then they can get, uh, taken advantage of because they're in that emotional age and they haven't taken their adult with them. And that's why I, that I keep going back to that is that, you know, if you are an adult, you are your mother, you're a lawyer, you're a whatever you have, you know, you have skills and to just abdicate that because this authority over here says that you must is really not on, um, you know, do that gut check, stand up for yourself, take your horse home. You know, if, if it's not ringing, right, just take your horse home, empower yourself to be the, be the, uh, the parent of your horse. Beautiful. Well said, Wendy. Yeah.
Yeah. So, so somebody says, if you want your horse to trust you, you can't give them over to someone who will undermine the trust or make them insecure by poor handling. Yeah, it's absolutely true. But it's also, um, you know, any, any of your team that's working with you and your horse needs to have the same respect for you as you have for them. And if you find that they're not respecting you, then even if they are the best, supposedly the best at what they do, they're not. <laughs> That's all there is to it, right? Because if they are the best at what they do and they're the best for you, they will respect you and your horse and you will be able to respect them. So, anyway. <laughs> we have a question. Oh, good. Uh, how did I find a good trainer to start spirit? So I would say a lot of it is trusting your gut. Um, and this goes right into what we were just talking about. I called this particular trainer and I had heard wonderful things. I had met him because when I was on my search for a horse, he, he has horses for sale. I went out and had, had a really beautiful conversation with him about horses. But then when I called him and I said, um, if my horse came to you, where do you want me to be? And he said, right next to me, if possible, so that I can teach you, you can see what I'm doing. And then it, I'll do it in the afternoon. You come back the next morning, you put it into practice. We'll get her that much further um, if you're doing the same thing I am. And that to me, in, and I'm not trying to tell anyone what, you know, some people have to send their horse and not go. I recognize that. But when he said that to me, I thought I can trust this man. It felt trustworthy. And then the first day when he was working with her, there were things about it that felt too intense to me. And I was able to say to him right away, can we talk about what I just watched? I'm not in a rush. I don't want her to be rushed. I need it to be at a pace where adrenaline, I talked about Dr. Steven Peters and that I had watched on the Wendy <laughs> webinar and that she can't learn when she's frantic and blah, blah, blah. We need to bring the intensity down. And he said, thank you for being honest with me. I'm always adjusting to what you know clients want. Um, in terms of speed rather than, so it's nice to think you're willing to let her go at, at the pace she needs to go at. And that was the end of it. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Um, and I just want to say if, if a trainer ever will not let you watch a session, do not leave your horse. You know, that's the bottom line. Training should be open anytime you want to go and watch. So, but that's a beautiful story because that, that's that idea of he wanted to empower you to transfer what he was doing to you, not be that big hero that could make the horse do things and then send you home with a horse you couldn't do anything with. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. And that happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Without an appointment, right. That you should be able to go and watch any training session. Yep. Cool. Good stuff, you guys. So any, any closing thoughts or, or uh, questions? No, but I think what we need to do is give everybody a homework assignment. <laughs> yeah. So what's yeah, the homework so assignment? What baby step are you going to take on your dream? What baby step? One tiny little step that you can take. And if everyone wants to to share, if you want to share a little baby step that's come up for you, like how can you advance your dream? Just one tiny little don't put yourself over threshold. We know about thresholds, right? <laughs> so what's some some yummy little thing you can do that's uh, from a place of confidence and love and trust, and you're going to take action. What's one little thing you could do right now? Start maybe this week. Who wants to be brave and put it in the chat? Kick it off. Once you declare it, you can make it real. 
<laughs> well, I think, you know, I think it, uh, I, maybe that is the oh. assignment, but take one what if, one what if, and write it down and then come up with a minimum of three solutions to the what if. There you go. Good job. Love that, yep. Love that one, Wendy. What if. You know, one of the things I always loved about your lessons, Wendy, when I was riding with you, when you were, before you were so famous and I couldn't even get you, <laughs> was that you never made me wrong. No matter what I did with my horses, it's like, well, how does that feel? And you, and, you know, I'm like sideways off the thing and you're like, oh, how interesting, you know? Oh, okay, how interesting. You never made me wrong, even though I'm like, oh, <laughs> I was all screwed up. You just say, oh, how interesting. Now try that. Now put it over here. What about that? And I'll never forget that lesson we had where you had me riding with like, you know, my tongue on the roof of my mouth oh, or yeah. something in the back of my mouth to stop the horse and it's totally working. I mean, it was just so much fun. So thank you for all of that. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. And that's, you know, it's, um, oh, we have one. Oh, we have one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, going to push my butt out the door and plan to spend an hour a day handling my mare and doing little exercises and massages on the ground with treats. She's very food motivated. Good one. Isn't that great? Okay. okay so, so, so hold on. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm just going to check that. All right. Cause I can't, I can't help it. So notice that that's an everyday kind of thing and it's an hour commitment and you're gung ho and that's awesome. And I'm so impressed by all of that. It's fabulous. You may want to put a little bit of wiggle in there, right? So there's going to be a day when it's going to be crappy weather or whatever, and you're not going to do it. And then you're going to want to beat yourself up. So maybe just give a little bit of wiggle around there. Maybe it's like five days a week. Doesn't have to be. <laughs> yeah, because I'm just going to mention that tomorrow's <laughs> going to be windy and 14 degrees where you live. <laughs> and um, anyway, so, and Saturday's so going to be a high of 22. So you might want a little wiggle around. So just making sure when you're framing out these goals, forget it. But not forget it. Not forget just, it. Just give yourself grace around it. All right. So that yeah. these are, are, are things that you're going to savor and look forward to not have to be like a grind. And then you have to check it off a list. This is like, Oh, I get to do this. And if you're not getting that feeling, scale it back a little bit more and scale it back a little bit more. And maybe it's, it's, it's just a little touch point. That's just a little piece of advice because we're looking for sustainable long-term success, right? Yeah. Not just a quick hit. And I All think right. I like this one. The, the other one is don't, I'm not going to have to always be doing. <sighs> yeah. That's great. Yep. So it's, it's making, I mean, we all want to make these really great. I'd love to make some really great goals that, you know, like the hard ones, but the thing is life happens. And so if we, if we, as you say, allow a little wiggle room around it, then we don't feel guilty when we fail, which is what we feel like when we make a hard one, right. Then we've failed. So how it, it, it's, it goes back to you, Sherry, how can we make that a positive when we, if we can't get out to the barn, but we could always take that hour and spend time reading about some technique. So yes. if, if you put some softness around it, I think it's what you're saying. Perfect. We can still, woo, I'm on my yeah saddle chair and I almost <laughs> fell off. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, so that's just it. Just think about where this, you can put the little, that's a Feldenkrais, you know, three things. So if you can't get out to the barn for that hour, cause it's 22 degrees and the wind is howling and you can barely get everybody fed, 
is there another option, some other way that you can spend some time that'll be positive toward your horse relationship? Beautiful. Awesome. Well, as always, ladies, this has been a blast and I'm grateful for everybody who has typed in. This is terrific. Nice to get audience participation. Um, really, really helpful. And um, it's always great to see you two ladies. And um, we're really hoping you guys can uh, make some positive changes in your life and make some of your dreams come true. Um, when I post this up on YouTube, if you have been successful, hey, it'd be great to make a comment and just let everybody yes. know. Um, when I get positive comments on the webinars, I don't get negative comments. I only get positive comments, but I send them out to the presenter so that they know because they come directly to me. Um, and I always want to make my presenters feel happy about the gift that they've given everybody for spending an hour or so with, with us. So thanks both of you for joining us and thanks everybody else for tuning in. And I know I have another webinar this week, but I can't remember what it is. Maybe I should just check real quick. You have Laura Wilsey. Oh, Laura Wilsey. Yeah. How can I forget? One o'clock on Wednesday, we have Laura Wilsey, one of our faves, and we just rattle on about anything. So <laughs> it's always fun. All right, everybody stay warm and stay safe. Thanks again, Sherry and Laurie. It's Bye been a pleasure. Thanks, and everybody. We'll see y'all later. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.